Welcome to episode eight with Lynn Christopher, education coordinator at SAWS, San Antonio Water System. Hi, I'm Lynn Christopher, Education Coordinator at the San Antonio Water System. This is the podcast that helps you succeed at doing the work that matters. It's water in real life with my friends, the H2 duo, Stephanie and Ariane. We are dedicated to sharing stories that demonstrate how communication and collaboration move things forward. If you want to overcome your challenges, then you have to build relationships. Each week, we bring you an inspiring person or resource to give you the tools to curate connections with your customers that create impact. There's a a quote by Charles Fisherman in his book, The Big Thirst, that says to say that we take water for granted is in some ways to give us too much credit. We don't even notice it to take it enough to take it for granted. Today, we are getting schooled, y'all. Lynn Christopher tells us about some of SAW's incredible education programs and what makes them so impactful during our anecdotal evidence-filled interview. She also explains how investing in the teachers in your community positively affects their impact on a community's children and how investing in effective education programs creates water-literate citizens that create a water-centered culture in your city. So without further ado, let's get to the show. Lynn Christopher has been a youth educator in the San Antonio Water Systems Communications Department for 10 years. Ms. Christopher coordinates school education programs for the company to include IMPACT, the SAW's award-winning high school service learning program. Her duties, in addition to coordinating IMPACT, include classroom presentations, conducting field trips, curriculum development, managing the SAW's mini-grant program, and teacher training. Lynn, we are so excited to have you here with us this morning. Thanks for joining us. Well, I'm excited too, ladies, and I'm, I'm really honored that you'd ask me to do this. Oh, come on now. <laughs> of course we'd of course we ask would. you. Your, your story's amazing, and uh, we're excited to make you tell the world <laughs> some of your stories. Yeah. So... Uh, I'm going to just jump right into this. We know uh, we know who your boss is. You know who your boss is. Um, for anyone, for anyone who doesn't who hasn't connected those dots, we know uh, it's Greg Wukash. <laughs> Episode three. Um, you know, we obviously think he's a pretty cool guy who's a great mentor. So I would like for you. Uh, I can't like believe you're in the same room with him or building with him on a daily basis. Um, but share share with us the why, the mission, and values of the SAWS education team. We call our program Impact H2O because we, we want the programs that we um, present to, the, to our participants to impact them, as well as we want them to turn around and then impact the communities and the environment that they're part of. Um, our mission is to affect change in the community by developing a water-literate citizenry. So I know the first thing you're going to ask is, what is a water literate citizen? Um, it's basically a person who um, understands their their place in the community, um, their role in that community. They take ownership of water resources in the community. They understand the necessity of water, of, uh, of health and growth of the community, and they proactively engage in opportunities to, uh, to um, uh, increase their awareness and knowledge and skills in uh, uh, the community and also to um, 
uh, to affect change in the community. We call those our core values, our core characteristics. It, sort of think about um, your physical characteristics being your uh, your eye color or your hair color. Um, the core characteristics are the characteristics that build a water literate citizen. So that water literate citizen is 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 why we do what we do. Everything that we do is trying to um, is trying to to maintain to gain that ultimate goal of developing a water literate citizen. So. I know all of that seems very, I mean, you guys operate in that capacity on a daily basis, I know, but for me and Ariane, the whole idea of really distinctly defining that why and those mission and their values was such a life changer for us. Um, It just really keeps you on path and keeps you on mission, and you always know why you're doing uh, what you're doing. So... How do you think being so in tune with your why and being mission-led trickles down into the programs that you guys are creating that come out of the education department itself? Because everything we do is based on our why, and and our why is that water literate citizen. It's the the common denominator, you could say, in in all of our all of our programming. Um, everything we do is is designed to create water literacy. So whenever we're developing new programs and new ideas, we start with the why. We look at, okay, here's our – and we literally will draw a stick figure on the whiteboard and say, there is our water literate citizen. So what is it this program is going to do to um, uh, to give that citizen the core characteristics or those those characteristics of a water literate citizen? And then we start working backwards. We, we um, start building the program literally based on those four characteristics. What is that program going to do um, to help build this water literate citizen, this little person that we have drawn on the board up here? I love that you brought up the stick figure because when Greg came to our city and helped me and Arianne develop our strategic plan, he drew a stick figure for us on our uh, on our glass board, and it stayed there for a year and a half. We were physically incapable of erasing that, and even when we left the city, we uh, we left we still at that point could not erase that um, our what we what was our version of the water literate citizen. So it's weird how something that simple can really just resonate right, with you and right 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 <laughs> it's just a constant reminder it's a constant reminder of what you want what your why is if you've got that little stick figure in front of you it's that person that person is your why exactly it's a nice visual reminder um so at catalyst you spoke about core which is your teacher program at saws and core was a program that was initially meant to be a way for you and Greg at the time, because it was just you two, to multiply your team, if if you will, by building these teacher ambassadors. But it's actually evolved into something quite different. So can you tell us about that evolution that's happened? Well, that's right. Like like most um, informal education programs, we've got a lot of ground to cover and not much staff to do it. Uh, so we, we do consider the teachers that we work at an important part of, or one of our tools, um, because, like you say, they can they can multiply uh, our efforts. Um, but we um, uh, we started thinking about well, how can we 
how can we formalize um, uh, this tool? How can we um, give these, you know, have a group of teachers maybe that we could use to uh, train and, and to, to be, to use it as a formal tool? Um, we just really didn't know what kind of reaction we were going to get uh, for, from teachers uh, if we were coming and asking them to, to add one more thing to, to their plate and, and because we all know that, 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 that teachers are, have far more than they can do. So we decided to kind of go about it in a, in a sneaky way and kind of lure them in. We um, uh, rented a bus and put out an email that we were going to take a busload of teachers to the TAE conference in uh, Houston a few years ago. And uh, it would, we were going to pay for their registration and we're pay for the bus. And uh, uh, as you can imagine, uh, we got quite a response, and we ended up filling that bus, and, and off we went to uh, to Houston with these teachers. We had all grade levels, uh, elementary, high school, middle school, um, and uh, we had three hours on the bus together uh, doing uh, travel games. You wouldn't believe what we did with, with a roll of toilet paper, having toilet paper tosses, and, and wrapping people, mummy contest, wrap, uh, mummy contest wrapping contest, and and uh, but all that was strategic because by the time I got them to Houston, we were already bonded as a as a group. And um, the only thing that they owed us um, was to attend a meeting that we had uh, in the hotel after the conference one night. It was sort of our um, timeshare speech. Uh, we they had no idea at that point why we were doing what we had done uh, by taking them to uh, to Houston. We brought them into the room and we and we began to pitch this idea. Um, at the at that point, it was you know it was sort of a vague idea. We didn't really know what we were doing, um, and uh, all they had to do was sit and listen to it. They didn't have to commit or anything. Uh, but we got some comments back from them and and. Uh, a few weeks later, we invited that same group to come to to dinner, and uh, um, we had about half of them show up, and we presented the uh, the idea of of core, um, which is um, uh, in this case uh, C O R E um, represents community ownership, responsibility, education, uh, engagement again, but it's community creating connecting points. Um, to SAWS and to one another among the teachers, ownership, uh, developing a motivated, self-driven group of water literate leaders, responsibility, uh, they share ex expertise and resources and ideas and strategies with one another, and, um, and they, in engagement and education, they are multiplying water literacy and environmental awareness across their region. So we, we pitched this idea to them, and we had um, we had several that uh, decided they were going to stick it out with us, and uh, that was was the the beginning of of what core is uh, what core is today. But as plans often do, we had a plan, but it very quickly became aware that this group was going to kind of take us down a down a different a different path. Uh, one of the very first meetings that we had, um, we asked the teachers to. Um, to uh, list um, what they uh, to make a list of community leaders uh, to just 
write down what uh, who, who they considered community leaders. And as teachers would, they did a really good job. They had this long list up on the whiteboard of everyone that they uh, considered leaders in the community. They only left out one. They left out teachers. They had not included teachers as of, in that list of community leaders. Wow. And that was a little about eye-opening for us. And we, we began to realize that teachers get a lot of professional development, um, but it's mostly based on their, their students. They get content-based professional development, um, classroom management. They get a lot of, of professional development, but not that, that kind of thing that pours into them, that is uh, that is focused on them personally. Um, so we began to um, let uh, core kind of evolve on its own and and kind of grow organically, um, and uh, and and that's what it's kind of moved into now. It is uh, we meet once a month, um, and uh, the the programs are designed. To um, to pour into these into these teachers and to we, we like to say to fill their buckets back up because you know that they're pouring out of their buckets all the time and if we don't if they don't have a way to pour their to fill their buckets back up that well is going to go dry eventually and that's the reason teacher burnout is is so rampant we tell them from the very beginning that the program is not about their kids, that core is not about their kids. And that's really, really hard for them to understand and to wrap their heads around. It's about them and everything that we're, we're going to do over the course of the year is about them. And But you and I know that ultimately that benefits their kids because if they are healthy and their buckets are full, then their kids are going to be getting much better um, experience and much better education from 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 those kids. We know we've hit on something though because um, every, every month we're kind of surprised when because we meet on a Thursday night. Now, granted, we we provide a meal for them, but we're surprised every single month that these teachers will be teaching all day long and then they will come to Saws for a meeting um, on Thursday night. And But not only do they show up, we can't get them to leave. We'll be done with the program. And they're still hanging around and, and, and talking and sharing. And, yeah. and uh, it's a safe place for them to do that. And it's a very powerful um, uh, moment for them because they, um, they are getting their buckets buckets filled. It's, you know, it's kind of funny. We have teachers who will um, tell us they invite colleagues to, to come to a meeting and the, and that colleague immediately says, well, what's this meeting all about? <laughs> and they, have, they, they say, well, I don't know, but you've really got to come check it out. It's really special. So it's, it, core is kind of hard to explain unless you've really, unless you've experienced it. Yeah. But um, uh, it, it, it is proving to be um, a, a very, very powerful program that we have. Um, and, and so much so that we have, uh, last year we had a, uh, a second group branch off from the main one that meets here at SAWS, and next year we're going to have a third group. Wow. So we, we call our teachers pebbles, and uh, we're dropping pebbles and just watching the ripples go. Uh, yes, I'm so glad. I love all the water metaphors, like the buckets and the pouring into and um, and all of those analogies. Of course, you're, you know, you're SAWS. We're in the water biz. We have to use those. But 
Can you give us just one example of something that you do in core that can really demonstrate that idea of pouring back into those educators? Well, um, one of the things that uh, that um, uh, we do every um, month is to provide them with uh, uh, with with some sort of some sort of resource. Um, uh, but well, I'll give you a, for instance. Next year, um, we're going. We we've picked a theme already for next year, and it's dreaming. We we we're going to uh, everything next year. Is, all of our programming is going to be built on um, finding your dream, and then how do you pursue your dream? And as as young children, most of us know how to dream and know how to dream big. But unfortunately, as we grow older, I think that we we lose that a lot. Definitely. And so one of the things that that we're we're those dreams are there, um, but I think that uh, quite often it's they get they get covered up with all the stuff of life. Mm-hmm. And um, so what we're what we're working on for next year is helping these teachers find their dreams and how to and and, and then maybe start pursuing them a little bit. Wow, that I can't wait to hear the stories that come out of that one. Yeah. Um, and speaking of stories and and teachers, you guys, you and Greg shared with us um, a story that had all of us in tears. Um, so, <laughs> I would I would like for you, yeah, if you don't mind, can you just share with us that little story and just. You know, it's so powerful. It's so powerful, and just share us that story again. It was it was amazing. Well, Heather um, was invited by another teacher to come to our our first meeting last year, our little open house that we do um, at the beginning of each year, and and uh, she uh, she came rather reluctantly. She um, had just sort of had her arm twisted <laughs> to come, and and uh, she came and enjoyed the meal, and and then sat through the presentation and and uh Greg was talking as he does so passionately about finding your passion and and um she was just oh, well this is kind of weird but I you know I, okay I'm 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 going to listen and I got the meal and then I'm going to go and and uh but then when he started talking about um the P3 um, presentations, she she definitely said, "I'm out of here." Um, the only thing that kept her from leaving at that point was uh, was it was pouring down rain. So, and the P3s are um, uh, one of the things that we ask the teachers to share um, with is a 15 minute presentation that we call P3 presentations. It's uh, uh, pebbles, potholes, and uh, passions, pebbles, and potholes. In other words, what's your passion? It doesn't. It doesn't even necessarily have to be something about their kids are about teaching it could be you know what if you're a foodie or something um but um so what what is your passion what are the potholes what are the things that um are keeping you from pursuing your passion and then the pebbles what are what are the pebbles that you, that you're that you're dropping to um uh to try to uh to send out the ripples from to others from your from your passion and uh, once he started talking about, okay, I've got to do a presentation now. Heather was, I'm, I'm out of here. This is, this is not for me. But it was raining, and she decided that she'd just wait and see if the rain would let up. And so she stayed through the rest of the of the evening, but left, um, you know, not ever planning to come back. But it wouldn't leave her alone. 
the the um, the she kept thinking about um, about um, finding your passion because see she had lost her passion her passion from a um, from a small child had always been to teach science she talked uh, she told us that, 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 that like when other kids were getting toys at Christmas she was getting office supplies to play school with and uh, so she had she'd always dreamed of being a science teacher and she was currently in a position that uh, a teaching position that did not allow her to do that and she felt um, uh, suppressed and she felt confined and and uh, and and just depressed and she um, decided that maybe there was something to this to this core this this finding your passions and she decided that her passion for this year was for last year was going to be finding her passion again and uh, as she began to um, think about it she realized that it was going to take a for her uh, what was what was going to be a pretty big step of faith, a, a leap a leap of faith actually, and that is to quit her job. Now, granted, we do not recommend that people quit their jobs, but for her, that was that was was what she needed to do. So she gave notice, and by Christmas uh, break of of this past school year, um, she had quit her job without a, pl- a backup plan, without a plan B. She had just quit, knowing that she was going to have to do that in order to find her passion again. Well, um, the interesting thing is that within weeks of doing that, she um, uh, was in touch with um, Girls, Inc., um, if you are familiar with with that organization, she was uh, I can't remember now exactly how, but she had an opportunity to talk to someone from Girls Inc. And she just said, "By the way, are you hiring?" And they said, "Well, as a matter of fact, we are." And uh, to uh, um, to uh, make a long story short, actually, it wasn't even a long story. She's now the STEM coordinator for the local Girls Inc. Um, uh, and doing not only did she find her passion, but she is living it out daily, all from the result of coming to that meeting and hearing someone talk about finding your passion. Uh, yeah, that's amazing. And we're we're actually she's on our list of podcast guests one day. Yeah, because I want to I want to hear from the horse's mouth, you know. I just love the idea that you put everyone in a room and kind of force them to really think about that because a, a lot of times we get stuck in our day-to-day and, and we forget what our passions are. And I have Absolutely. my own similar story of when um, I was working for the first city I started with and I left to go to another city and one of my friends got hired on and he'd only been there for um less than a year and he called me one day and and said I feel terrible because you helped get me this job but I just got offered my dream job to go be a science teacher at the high school he actually went to and you know I told him um if that's your dream job of course do it don't feel bad at all but then he and I don't even know if he does it so Rick Garnett if you ever listen to this you are rocked my world because you basically started rogue water yeah because whenever I hung up the phone it I was like well what's my dream job what what do I want to do I mean what would make me just stop everything 
and completely redirect my life to do something that I loved. And so I panicked. I had this like quarter life crisis and was questioning everything and didn't know what I was doing and what am I going to do and what do I really love? And, and so that's a very, that's an incredibly powerful moment to have somebody kind of reflect back to you that you have no idea what that passion or what that dream looks like anymore. And so it's, I think that's incredibly powerful that, you know, a, a water system is doing that for the, the teachers in their community. And I that you guys just add so much value um, to, to the San Antonio community. Um, and that's why we always try and promote everything that you guys are doing, including, of course, your your high school education program, which is IMPACT. And um, I remember the first time you presented this to me in Ariane, I was like literally fighting back tears because it was the coolest thing I'd ever heard of in my life. And um, so can you give us just a little history about that program uh, and just like kind of quickly take us through from flow to confluence and everything in between? Well, impact. Uh, the impact team program is is our um, uh, high school uh, program. It is um, a student-driven, project-based uh, service learning program. The uh, the kids. It's been around for about 20 years. It's so it's it's a it's 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 a very strong program. Um, that has evolved over the years. It's been called different things. It was SWEC at one time and SWAT at one time, Student Water Action Team. If you haven't figured it out, we love our acronyms and our analogies around here. But uh, um, it's called uh, Impact Teams now. Um, but um, uh, the, the the program is is basically uh, the the uh, the students that are involved uh, design and facilitate a, a water based um, project during the course of the of the school year. Um, the they, they always have a theme of some sort. Uh, like next year is going to be conservation, so all the projects will be um, conser- conservation based. Um, the um, we start off the year. You mentioned flow. We start off the year with uh, with a, a, a summit that is sort of a pep rally, um, but it's where we issue a challenge for them. We bring all the teams to, to, at this point. We do it in October, and at this point, the teachers that are are going to be involved in the pro- program have their teams together. Um, it could be uh, you know a teacher could use it for in their in their environmental science class, it could be an after-school ecology club, different schools organize different ways. But the schools come uh, to FLOW, which is um, uh, our, our pep rally, and it's the first time that, the, that they've had an opportunity to, to, um, to network with each other. We have public-private schools from, from all over San Antonio that are part of the program. And we also have a, a, a motivational speaker there that night that, uh, that sort of issues a challenge uh, for them. And then they go about their their year designing and, and facilitating the project. But one of the important parts of, of service learning and project based learning is 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 um, sharing uh, what you've what you've done with others and also celebrating. So we give them a, the opportunity to share what they've done, and then we also celebrate um, at our annual conference uh, called Confluence. Um, where ideas and water flow together. If you, another another one of our our water references, um, but confluence that one is that one's a tough one to 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 explain if yeah. you've not ever seen it. You have the to best thing I can do, 
Yeah, yeah. The, the, the best thing that I can say is uh, take a science fair on steroids <laughs> in a professional trade show yes. and mush them together and then throw 600 high school students in there. And you kind of, you know, can get a little bit of an idea of, of, of what it's like. But we... Um, we it is it looks like a professional trade show. We bring in you know professional decorators with pipe and drape booths, and each each school gets their own booth, and they decorate it to uh, to showcase their projects. and And uh, we also bring in other resources in the community. We bring in engineering firms. We have all sorts of departments from SAWS that are represented there, from the San Antonio River Authority, from the Edwards Aquifer Authority. Have booths. We have we bring in local universities to uh, um, uh, also. So there is. Uh, there's just a plethora of things for for the kids to do in addition to showcasing their um uh showcasing their projects and you know that that event probably takes um 6 months of my year to plan it is oh, yeah. it's a huge event and and the day before on monday it's always on tuesday and on monday when we're there setting up i'm and i'm stressed to the max i always question my sanity and you know why in the world did I do this to myself again you know I, I I can I don't have to do this I can I can just do away with confluence and but then at nine o'clock when we open the doors and the kids come in and I start watching them so passionately talk about the projects that they've done I know exactly why I do what I do it's just amazing to see you know 600 600 high school kids all in their confluence shirts and and uh Interacting with each other and and um, uh, and sharing the, the work that they that they've done and it's work that really matters and they know that and they they're proud of that and they're proud to be a part of of their communities and that's that's when it becomes worth it every 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 minute of it becomes worth it. Yeah. Well, we actually um, we have a friend um, Jeremy Rice and. He, we were talking one day about impact, and he was like, oh, guess what? I went through that, and it changed the course of my life. <laughs> and now, you know, he's he's been going to our meetings for a month now, or I mean for years now, and we see him once a month and had no idea how, I mean, you're, the work you're doing is is evident. Like, these, these young men and women are becoming water nerds so hardcore. I mean, you want to... What did Jeremy tell him? What was he going for? He was doing something first, and then he went through the program, and it was something about I don't that changed his life. I mean, I don't he got rem- into water and stayed into water. Yeah, I don't remember what exactly it was. He's an engineer. It may have been engineering in general, but after going through Impact, he wanted to focus specifically on engineering as related to water resources. So. Um, yeah, it's a great uh, testimonial for the program, and I can 100% vouch for the passion of the student teams because I've been fortunate enough to go to Confluence and be able to talk to some of them and really see it. And it's you're 100% right. It's definitely one of those things that you, you have to see to even begin to understand. It's just it's so great. So, Lynn, what do you think is the greatest outcome for or from Impact to, to this day? What's your favorite success story that you've experienced? Well, just like Jeremy's story, I have countless stories. Every year the the teachers tell me about uh, um, things that happened as a result of, of their um, 
uh, of their involvement with uh, um, with with saw, with with uh, impact and and um, I, I, when I it's kind of hard to pick out a, a favorite story, but I, I think that the one that probably comes um, to mind right off the bat is is something that actually happened early on in my experience with impact and at, when I first started working with saws and was just kind of getting to getting my feet wet in this in in this program and and um i uh, was uh, approached i had a teacher uh, that um was trying to get an impact team together at a um an inner city school here in San Antonio and she called me one day and was just really frustrated because um she just she just couldn't get her you know kids to to show any interest or take any you know in, couldn't couldn't get them to move at all and and so I very naively said, "Well, you know, why don't why don't I come and talk to them? And I, you know, I I know that I can get them motivated. I just was so stupid, you know. I thought, oh, I'm going to go over here and really get these kids motivated. And so off I go, and I walked into the classroom and immediately knew I was in trouble. She was. It was a, a group of uh, seniors. Uh, it was an environmental science class, and they were taking it just to check off a science credit. Um, and they were checked out of school already. Um, they were very, very hardcore um, inner city kids um, sitting there with their earbuds in. The teacher spent the whole time I was trying to talk, pulling earbuds out of their ears. They had their arms crossed, you know, very obviously sending me a message that they they, they were not going to listen to what I had to say. It was the yeah. toughest presentation I ever tried, I've ever had to do. And when I left, I told the teacher, I said, I'm sorry, I, I just don't think this is going to work for you. I just, I think it's it's a lost cause. Well, she stuck it out, and in a few weeks, um, our program was very small then, and I was able to do um, uh, some things that I, because we've gotten so large that I can't do now, but one of the things that I did was some some little mini field trips during the course of the year, and we were offering a a field trip to SeaWorld. It was a behind-the-scenes tour uh, at SeaWorld. And lo and behold, she signed those kids up to come to this this um, field trip. And to be honest with you, I was a little bit nervous because I didn't know what they were going to do. And and uh, this was a, you know we were representing saws, and so I was I was kind of nervous. But what they did blew me out of the water. Um, literally, not literally, but uh, uh, the uh, the they I watched them get off the bus, and again with that, you know that swagger of I don't you know I I don't want to be here I you know I don't want any, nobody can tell me anything and they walked through the gate at SeaWorld and immediately this change came over them I watched them transform from those hardcore inner city schools to little kids and they were running around, and they were so excited about everything that they were seeing, and they could they they couldn't wait to. They were trying. They were calling me, "Come look at this! Come look at this!" And I, I just didn't know what to think. And I, later in the day, I asked the teacher, "What in the world happened to these kids?" And she said, "Lynn, they've never been to Sea World, even though it's in San Antonio. Ew, they've yeah. never even been out of their own zip code." Yeah. And that was that was a very profound moment for me, um, and it was uh, the moment where I first realized what a powerful impact a program like this could have on these kids. Um, if something as simple as taking them to 
uh, to SeaWorld <laughs> and giving them a little bit of attention um, and showing them that they're important enough to do that. Um, if that if that can make such a change in them, then that was something I definitely wanted to do. Those kids went on and completed a project, completed the year, and had a very successful successful year. Um, that um, that was a real defining moment for me, and and um, and a real success story, I think. But there there are just countless stories that yeah. that um, uh, that that have come about because of this program. Well, I'm kind of mad at you for making tears well up in my eyes. Thank you, Lynn. <laughs> it's like it's like standard protocol for me. If I'm talking to Lynn or Greg, I know at some point I'm going to like tear up. Um, well, we're obviously huge advocates for all of the incredible work that you guys are doing. Um, but so as educators and communicators, we get really excited about these kinds of things, but that's oftentimes difficult to communicate to people who aren't educators or communicators. So how for, okay, let's say someone is listening and is totally inspired by your story and they go to their director and their director asks how they can justify investing because it's not cheap to put on, to put on cattle. I mean, I'm sorry to put on impact. So how, and the director asks them, how do you justify us investing that money towards the youth of our community with a program like Impact that they don't see a direct connection to ratepayers? How would how would you just how like what could you tell an educator to bring to the table when discussing this with their director? Well, Saws believes that that having citizens that understand um, their where their water comes from how it gets to you what you what happens to it after you've used it and it goes it goes we flush it and it goes away um, they, they understand the value in having citizens that understand their water issues in in, in the community um, because if you are a citizen in a community and asked to make a decision about something like even uh, raising if we have to raise the rate the water rates um, understanding that is going to make you a better decision maker, and Saws understands that um, that um, uh, reality, and as a result, um, uh, um, is willing to put um, the the funding toward uh, programs that seek to create those water literate citizens. Um, we have a San Antonio really has a, a water culture here, especially with water water conservation. Um, you wouldn't believe the number of people who call and knock on their neighbors for watering on the wrong <laughs> on the wrong day, but that's real indicative of of the education and the behavior change that's happened over the last 20, 25 years or so. Um, it's um, uh, we even it, early on in 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 water conservation programs here, we would go out to schools and and the key message was uh, to kids all right turn off the when you're brushing your teeth turn off the water when you're washing your hands turn off the water when you're soaping up and 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 uh, um but now we can't even get that out of our mouths before they're telling us that 
Um, it is, it is, you know, it's, it's a, it's a very, we, we live in a culture here that, um, um, is very aware of, of water conservation. And, and, and a lot of that is due to the education efforts that have taken place over the last 20 years. So SAWS understands the value of, of that, um, uh, and, and as, as a result is willing to invest in it. Yeah, absolutely. And and SAWS, because they are in San Antonio and that water conservation and, and water forward thinking mindset is ingrained in the culture of San Antonio because of, you know, going back to that pesky salamander or whatever that was that got everybody kind of, oh, we got to We got to focus on this conservation effort. Um, but I feel like uh, yeah, the blind like, salamander. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Any city is capable of creating that culture within their community, and it just comes back to the education and communication component of it. And you guys are essentially instructing and teaching and ingraining in the next generation of ratepayers the value of water, and it all comes down to getting them while they're young before they get out there in the real world and start to create a different mindset. But um, so outside of the anecdotal evidence of just all of the stories that we can tell about the, Im- the impacts of your various education programs, how do you as an education team measure the impact and successes of your various education programs? Well, that's, that's a tough one, measuring education outcomes and behavior change, you know, and, and especially, especially in an informal setting is, is, is sort of challenging. We do uh, end-of-year surveys for our teachers, and we we ask, um, you know, to ask them to show if, if there's an, an increase in their students' awareness and water-related issues, and if there's an increase in the likelihood that they'll share what they know with others. But the best um, evalu- evaluation tool that we found is, is qualitative analysis of stories that, that we hear. Uh, I'll give you a, a good example. I had a a teacher called me at the end of the year this this past um, academic year, and and uh, she was telling me about a young man in her class who uh, had some uh, some learning disability issues, and and that uh, he was um, struggling to to pass her class. And uh, they're um, uh, they're they are a team that worked with uh, Ryan Beltran, um, who I know you he's done a podcast for you guys, and, yep. and is going to be so one of the speakers at, at Catalyst. And um, uh, he, um, uh, so he, he, he runs one of our, uh, the, the impact teams have different strands or different types of projects that they can work on, and, and he runs one of those. And, and uh, so this, um, this teacher's team was working on, one of, on his ELECRA project. And um, this, so this young man was part of that project, and this kid was struggling to, to pass and at the end of the year, his, he finished her class with a 94 average. Oh, my God. And she directly connected it to the skills and the motivation that he acquired from working on, on that impact project. Wow. So that, that was a pretty strong measure of, yeah. of the effectiveness of the program. I can't wait to share that with Ryan if you guys already haven't. Oh, That's- yeah. I'm going to make him cry for once. Okay, good. <laughs> um, so I, I also really love that you guys practice what you preach, and um, I'm speaking about something that you have recently started at SAWS, and that's the 
rain to drain is something that you offer to your residents, but now as part of onboarding for new SAWS employees, they're taking this rain to drain tour as well. So can you speak on how the <laughs> how education, uh, your whole department is sort of getting SAWS to drink the Kool-Aid all the way throughout the organization and is infiltrating to uh, with the Rain to Drain onboarding tour and your Influent program. Can you kind of touch on those and show how what you're doing for your community is also resonating within your the walls of your own organization? Sure. A few years ago, we started doing a, an all-day field trip uh, called the Rain to Drain experience for our, um, for our citizens. We um, uh, we put them on a bus, we feed them breakfast and lunch, and, and we spend the day um, following water literally from rain to drain. We go out and see a recharge feature, an Edwards Aquifer recharge feature. We go to a pump station. We go to our new um, uh, groundwater, uh, brackish groundwater desal plant. We end the day at uh, the wastewater treatment plant. Um, so we literally follow water from rain to drain. It has been... Um, extremely successful. We do no advertising whatsoever. It fills up totally word of mouth um, to the point where um, our our upper management began to hear about um, this SAWS rain to drain trip from other people. Uh, when when you've got other people telling your your story, you know you've done your job. And that's exactly what had started happening. Well, um, we began to get um, um, questions from other employees at SAWS and, and managers, well, you know, can employees go on this, uh, on this trip? And, and uh, we, we, after thinking about it, we thought, you know what, those are probably the most important people that we need to have on this tri- trip. We have, we have 1,600 people um, that work for SAWS. And, and what happens, and this, and this is true of, of everywhere, but um, uh, we we tend to come in and you know you've got your own little piece of the pie that you're working on and and you don't ever see the whole pie, yeah. and that's what happens with most people here at Saws. They they don't really have a global picture of what of what the company does. And so this past year we um, started offering uh, a rain to drain for our new employees. So as a new employee comes on quarterly, uh, we do a rain to drain. Um, experience uh, that just like the just like the public gets um, for for new employees, and even this summer we have a summer impro- uh, summer intern program uh, that we run, and and uh, um, we're we're actually taking our interns with us um, uh, next next uh, uh, th- on the next uh, range drain tour. So um, what we've discovered is that um, it, it puts the pieces together for for employees. Um, uh, they go on these trips and they say, oh, so that's what that means. <laughs> the things that they deal with every day um, all of a sudden kind of makes picture, makes sense in that, in that global picture. And um, uh, we, you know, water is, is perhaps the, the most um, important uh, resource that a, that a community has. Um, if you don't have it, you, the community just doesn't exist. And, and our employees are part of something really big and really important, and we want them to realize that and to feel part of that. So this, taking them on the range drain tour is, is, uh, is one way that we have of, of doing that. Well, um, man, you, you, you nailed it right on the head in terms of our time. 
This is awesome. Um, I, I want to move to San Antonio. <laughs> I'm ready to pack up my kids. I'm hoping that you guys will be around for another 20 or so years yeah. because I need my kids to go through impact. I, well, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and, and write that in y'all's next contract. I, I, I need my kids to go to impact. I need you guys to hire my kids on because I, I want to live vicariously through them, <laughs> you know, being an intern. Or maybe you can just hire me as an intern. I don't know. Um, but one day I'll get my rain to drain tour. One day. One day. Um, yes. So I'm going to yes. do. I'm holding your spot. Yes. Yes. I'm going to do a uh, water wrap up. Um, kind of a, you can just give me a couple words or whatever you feel. Um, so first thing I'm going to do is ask, what is your favorite book or a resource that you can recommend us or blog or video or anything that just gives you um, a fire, puts a fire under your, your booty? Um, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show my age here. I am uh, at Silent Spring by Rachel Carson. Um, it was yeah. written in, in the 1960s. Yeah, it's it's a classic, um, and uh, it I was inspired. I had to read it in college, and I was inspired by by her passion and, and what that book went on to do. It was it it it, it was what really got DDT banned, and uh, um, and the eventual creation of the Environmental Protection Agency. And her passion inspired me, and 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 still and still inspires me today. So that's, that's, that's a, it's an oldie, but a goodie. Well, it, it doesn't show your age. Cause I mean, I studied, I read the book in college myself. And when we were at Fairmount Waterworks in uh, Philadelphia last year, they had an entire, at their kids exhibit, they had an entire section based just on her. So, so the younger generations can learn who she is. Yes. Pretty awesome. I actually wrote it into our, into a middle school curriculum that I did because I feel like it's that important. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, that's a classic in the environmental world. It's a must read. Um, So I'm excited to ask you this question that we've asked everyone. And it's because for for us, we are firm believers that it's the small things that count. And it's the simple changes that can really make the biggest impact. And some people think, well, what does it matter if I change because I'm just one person? And you know, we disagree with that 100% because we feel like change is contagious. And when people see you doing something, they may ask you, hey, why do you do that? And then it may, we've had people change things that they've been doing forever because they've noticed what we do and asked us. So um, what would you say is that one call to action that you're most passionate about and that you believe can ultimately change the world? I think it's to be quiet. To be quiet and be aware, aware of um, of opportunities. Don't let the the noise of of your day, of your life, of your job um, make you miss an opportunity that presents itself. Some of the most um, meaningful and successful, uh, powerful projects and partnerships that I've ever been involved in, you know, came to me totally in totally unexpected ways. I didn't go looking for them. They um, uh, they were just uh, opportunities that presented themselves and and I think that one of the things that we do is to let ourselves get caught up in in um, in the stuff of life and we miss those opportunities um, so I um, I like to to 
at least keep in mind um, being aware, trying to trying to look for those opportunities because they're there. We just miss them sometimes. Okay, last question. Um, so you step into an elevator and you make contact, eye contact with uh, someone right next to you. And instead of being awkward and silent, um, you realize he's probably, he or she is probably a Saws customer. You have that small amount of time with one Saws customer. What is your elevator pitch? For water. For water. I think it is to appreciate the the value of water. Um, There's a uh, a quote by Charles Fisherman in his book, The Big Thirst, that says to say that we take water for granted is in some ways to give us too much credit. We don't even notice it to take it enough to take it for granted. Yep. And I think that um, it is um, my, you know, my message to anyone um, uh, would be notice it, be aware of it, value it. Awesome. That's great. That was, you know, they could have gone up one floor and you would have gotten all that out. That's incredible. Great elevator pitch. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we're so excited that you took the time to speak with us today. And we're so excited that you were one of the catalyst speakers. I know that you rocked their world. Um, And we want to we want to bring you on in the future because you have your own water story that's incredible that we got to hear when we attended Flow. Gosh, I think that's been two years ago now, um, and so we definitely want to bring you back on to to have that chat with you. But we greatly appreciate you giving us insight into the programs and the great work that you guys are doing at Saws, and uh, we look forward to continuing to partner with you guys for as long as we can. <laughs> yes, can't wait. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for checking out episode eight. You can find the show notes at the h2duo.com backslash water in real life, where we have all the resources mentioned in this episode and more. We are passionate about being a resource for the industry, and we can only do that with your help. Show us some love by simply subscribing to the podcast on iTunes. Be sure to rate and review us while you're there so that we can get the only duo-run show about water a little shelf space on that iTunes homepage. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at the underscore H2Duo. We'd love to hear from you. The Catalyst Mastermind Summit in San Antonio was incredible. If you are unable to get in before it sold out, remember that you can check out all the interviews with our speakers during the month of June. Just visit the website, the H2Duo.com website, and catch up. As Sir George Hawkins said, yes, that's right, I said it, sir, I queened myself and knighted him. When he addressed our audience of water educators at Catalyst, he said, the future of water, ergo the future of civilization, rests firmly upon our shoulders as the communicators and educators tasked with conveying that ever-important message. We hope you learned something new, got a little inspired, and most importantly took action on something today that will move you one step closer to your goal. Until next time, remember what one of our favorite quotes says, those who tell the stories rule the world. 